everybody. Welcome into the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John, here today asking Nick what his go-to Chinese food dish is. Ooh, all right. Spoiler alert, he strikes me as a sweet and sour pork guy. I do like a good sweet and sour pork. I do. Uh, Yeah, you're asking because prior to this, uh, on the way home, I ordered some Chinese food so that really the wife and I could have a quick dinner together and I didn't have to cook. And then clean and do all that because uh, then we never would have been recording but <laughs> still recording late but it would have been much later um but typically my go-to normally is uh chicken and broccoli i'm pretty basic chicken and broccoli real uh dominant uh dominic or uh, louise dominique type guy <laughs> spicy no 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 penguins. i don't do it spicy all right <laughs> Yeah, I have always been a low main fan. I feel like as greasy as it gets, that thick noodle is it's low mains the ideal type noodle to me. I so I will usually get a chicken version. Yeah, that's a good one. I I like a good roast pork low main. Like that's a kind of a go to side. Uh, Occasionally, I'll just throw on a side of low main, no like meat added to it or something, but. It's because I've got yeah, like, but but that's yeah. because I've also got roast pork fried rice to go with it. Oh, there mm. you go, mixing in the rice. Yeah, you gotta it. have that. Why do we? Why do we, as a society, break up the noodles or the rice? Would it not be ideal as a meal to just have one large noodle or one large rice? You know, take take multiple bites out of it that kind of size like a donut but <laughs> a donut noodle, noodle. <laughs> i i mean it's an idea we're we're taking on the big questions of society that's that's show. what we do here it's actually the, this is actually the food episode where we're going to rank chinese food starting with the appetizers uh with the spare ribs which oh man Spare ribs are so good. I almost, just to put it in perspective of where my mind was at tonight. So I did end up tonight going with beef and broccoli instead of chicken and broccoli. But I almost got uh, the boneless spare ribs, the little mini spare ribs with fried rice. That that was screaming at me for a while. Uh, But I'll be honest, I got cheap. The $1 upcharge for the boneless pair of ribs is what made me go. I'll just go with uh, the old reliable switched up to beef this time. <laughs> now, now, what's the crab rangoon like at your local place? Because what I've got here in Ohio, it's pretty on point. Uh, so in Harrisonburg, Virginia, it was on point. I have actually never had it at the place where I go in Hampton Roads. Um, ah. and I think it's more because the place in Hampton Roads I go reminds me of like the New York ones where it's very Americana yeah. and in Harrisonburg, yeah. we had a legit, like you would go sit down in the Chinese restaurant place, truly uh-huh. knew what they were doing with the, with the food there where I'm like, this is a little more like it's at a strip mall next to a food lion and a vape shop. Like there's yeah. also I, I think there's also a casino of some type in this because there's like legal gambling now in in the area. So 
there's there's a room for, for some form of gambling. I'm like, okay, that's where I get my Chinese food from. I, I'm just sticking with the reliables <laughs> here. I don't really want to venture out into, into a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That that's fair. We we've got like a sit down place close to us too that I order from from time to time, but uh, no uh, no slot machines in it. Not oh, yet, man. at least. We'll see what the I future. I mean, holds. listen, this is America. Like, this is the land of Chinese food and slot machines. We need those things together. Um, if I can't go pick up my General Sow's chicken and lay down a bet on Monday Night Football, what are we even doing I as mean, a country? Seriously, which, by the way, this episode brought to you by DraftKings. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually uh, brought to you by Ray's Energy Drinks. So uh, go to their website, type in Thrill Me uh, as the promo code at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your orders. Uh, they got tons of stuff. Great for the workouts. Uh, great for prep before maybe playing a hockey game or adult league game as well. Uh, but yeah, let's get into it, man. It's a hockey show. It's not a Chinese food show. It's not a food show. It is a hockey show. And my God, I've got five pages of stuff here. Uh, and that's not even everything that you sent me. Not a, not a typical no, August show. This is a, this is a pretty heavy August show. Uh, a lot happened, and I think one of the big things we should start with, and I want to start here because I've actually seen a lot of discourse on it on Twitter. I don't know about you, and that was the QMJHL officially banning fighting. Uh, that's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and they said at the upcoming season, uh, fighting out. What's, what's going to change, what you need to know, the league rules state that anyone engaged in a fight will be ejected from the game. Any player found to have instigated the fight will get an automatic one-game suspension. The player declared to be the aggressor during the fight will receive a minimum two-game automatic suspension. Players involved in multiple scuffles in a season will start receiving an automatic suspension beginning with their second fight in addition to the other sanctions. Ooh. All right. Fighting. Going bye-bye in another so, league. Yeah, so uh, I, I wouldn't say going bye-bye in the sense that uh, for those that don't know, QMJHL uh, brought us people like Sidney Crosby, Patrick Law, Nathan McKinnon, uh, probably the lesser herd of the three uh, junior leagues, but still a pretty significant part of the system there. Um, what was the rule before this, Nick? Because everyone's making it out to seem like they went from zero to 100 on the fighting regulations here. And that's just not the case. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what it was prior, but I just, I know it's been banned in youth entry level hockey, including the yep. NCAA. So, you know, it's, it's... Mm -hmm. It's not like it's not the AHL or the NHL, which, by the way, uh, you can. And this is why I wanted to start with it, because obviously I've seen a lot of people uh, really mad about this decision. And I don't get it because, yeah, like like I was just saying, like you asked and I was kind of answering, it's already banned in a lot of these. But you always have the AHL and, the, yeah. and then the NHL. They haven't banned. They haven't. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's banned in the NHL yeah, too. It's, it is banned in every league. You're not allowed to fight. It's a penalty. <laughs> it's true. So it's an infraction. You know, uh, but yeah, the, 
prior to this, what I think a lot of people are failing to point out because it doesn't make for as good of a headline is that uh, you were already getting a game misconduct in the queue if you got in a fight. If you were an excessive fighter, like you fought often, you would get suspended for it. So now it's... I, I don't totally understand what all the rest of the rules around it are. Like, I don't know how you determine is, is the instigator room rule the same as the NHL. I'm not sure. Uh, if you are declared to be the aggressor, it's a minimum two game. I don't really know what that means. I think they intentionally keep it vague just to kind of say, if someone really gets out of hand, they have the ability to do that. Uh, but yeah. And if you get in multiple fights, there's automatic suspensions yes. for that. But it's you, you you have plenty of the pro fighting crowd though like to, to always you know consistently point out well fighting is not allowed in hockey there's a penalty for it it's like yeah but you know what we mean uh sort of thing and, and like if you're frankly if you're one of the people that needs to get worked up over teenagers being allowed to bare knuckle box on ice like I, I kind of think you need to re-examine your life there a little. It's not that worth getting upset. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's this is this is precaution. This is not eliminating fighting from the sport at all. Uh, it's it, so this isn't the end of fighting. You're not like we're not going to start the NHL season and all of a sudden there's no more fighting in the NHL. It, like. No, you're still going to have your fights and they're still going to be there. It's, you know, we're not having the conversation about should the NHL ban fighting, but these junior leagues, it makes sense to ban fighting. You don't, like you said, you don't want 16, 17 year olds squaring off like that. It's not supposed to be that. And, and, and even and fighting in the NHL these days is different. And, and in these leagues, it's not like the NHL level of, Hey, somebody laid out a hit that injured our star guy. So now I need to go punch, pick a fight with Tom Wilson and get, you know, wrestle with him until they break up the fight. And then all's forgiven. Like that's fighting in the NHL. Like that's, that's what it is. You don't need that in these. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and you and I talked about this before where if I was inventing a sport, from day one, if, if hockey never existed and I told you I was inventing a game and we would have some hurdles to overcome, why are you doing this on the ice? Why is the object of play on the floor instead of up above like every other sport? But the, the one thing that would be the most bonkers thing I would c come up with is there's fighting. And we've talked a little bit about how is that just a natural part of a game that doesn't really have an out of bounds or is this something that's kind of left over from a previous era because because it's been well established that fighting's just on its way out of the nhl in general and i have numbers to back that up in the 1819 season there they averaged a fight once every five games 10 years before that the average was once every two games so you can already kind of see that effect is going into mm -hmm. place and how much of that is just greater expectations of safety in general versus how much 
of it, of it is people aren't fighting as much coming up in the league versus the league is so damn competitive. You can't just be a fighter like a lot of people have. There aren't a lot of Ryan Reeves left in the league at this point. There's a lot of different things you can point to, but it, our, our parents' generation, there was a fight after almost every goal. So it, it's it's been going down for a while. Now. Yeah. And, and, and not to go full-blown hockey historian on you for it, but like when they first started playing the game, they, you know, had chicken wire instead of glass around the rink. They had, you know, they barely had boards there and they had to start putting stuff in because people from the crowd would reach over and grab players to screw up plays. So just because something's always been the way it was before doesn't necessarily mean it has to be the way it is now. And in a lot of those early NHL days, there were a lot more people working as miners, lumberjacks, uh, you know, very dangerous factory jobs, specific things that there just wasn't as much of an expectation of safety in society in general. So I hate that we keep applying, you know, well, in the 80s, this and in the 90s, this and fight night at the Joe and Bob Probert and all this. Yeah, that's all great. But that's not we're not comparing the same thing anymore. Yeah, you're right. And I think that well, when you start eliminating it at these early levels, uh, kind of what I was getting to and getting at is you, you there are still going to be breeding grounds. And with the and with hockey, I think that the reason why fighting exists and, and I don't think it'll ever go away fully. But as you pointed out, it's going to keep declining because these junior leagues have just outright are, are putting forth rules like this, where it's like, no, nah, they're, they're just zero tolerance at this point. Like if you want to be a fighter and you want to be an enforcer and you want to be the next Ryan Reeves, the game is we're, this. The game is not that anymore. Goodbye. You can go home. You can leave. You can wait till you know you turn eighteen or whatever and sign with a team and and play. You know and hope that you're good enough to make it to the pros. Uh, or or more than likely not make it to the pros and end up playing in a senior B league in Ontario. Exactly. Like I'll see you at Chilled Ponds in, in five years. You know, it is what it is. Like it it is a different era. And you are seeing it now. You're right. Like the number the numbers show it. There's been a decline. And I think that decline is coming from the way that the game has been taught. It kind of I, Maybe it's an apples to oranges comparison, but like the like like how we talked during the year when scoring essentially went up this year. You know, numbers show a lot of a lot of goals this year. Yeah. Well, we're at a point where a lot of the guys that are now playing and the guys that were putting up those points come from the post lockout era of oh, these guys only know this style of hockey, offense first. They don't know. Two line exactly. Pass. What's this? Uh, they don't know the devil's trap zone. They don't know how boring hockey was. They don't know clutching grab and, and clutching and go and all of that crap. They don't know that style of hockey. And that's why you're getting like nine, seven games because you have to try and pace Tage Thompson, who only knows hotheads <laughs> or Austin Matthews. You know, like we're just at that era now. And with that, Fighting's kind of a thing that's moving off to the side, but I think it will always be there just because I don't think you'll ever be able to convince 
the NHL, at least, to outright ban it. Somebody's always going to hold on to, no, there should be no outright ban of suspensions and stuff. Just keep it the way it is, you know, the rules are the rules. But it is going to become like one fight every two weeks. Like at that point, like it's not really going to be a thing in about in the next decade. It's like the numbers are going to keep dropping and get accustomed to it. Sorry. Like I enjoy fighting, but I think there is a place for a fight in the game. I think there's a moment for it. And, you know, you know when that moment is when you're watching the game because it's that moment where everything has gotten a like it's it's the players need to take back control because they've allowed it to get too far. Like, uh, you know, to bring it up just because as a Rangers fan, the fact that nobody punched Tom Wilson in the face when he threw our Timmy Panarin on the ground, that's where a fight needs to happen because that's a moment of you just allowed somebody to not just throw your star player, but kind of take dominance of the situation and all the momentum. So somebody just needs to show some form of life. And that form of life is go wrestle him until the officials break it up. <laughs> like, cause also, also let's be real. 99% of the fights are just people freaking wrestling each other. Yeah. It's the number of really good, legitimate fights that we see these days anymore is extremely, extremely low. Uh, but let me, let me ask you this though. How much do you buy the argument that you need fighting as a form of self-policing as a way of making sure it, you know, the Tom Wilson's of the world get theirs or things of that. That's kind of where I think it, it needs to be and why it will always be in the game is, is the self-policing of if somebody's out there, if, if Brad Marchand's running around and being an asshole on the ice, then somebody needs to go and be like, Hey, let's just like stop being a dick or I'm going to punch you in the face. And if he doesn't, you go and you punch him in the face. Like to kind of yeah. just be like, all right, you want to keep being that way? Well, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to punch you. Like it, that's where I think it needs to be is like uh, the stage fights. I get it to a point, but again, that kind of comes in a little bit of the self, you know, Usually a stage fight is one of those like, oh, the Devils are starting their fourth line. I'm going to put my fourth line mm-hmm. out there and I'm going to put a defenseman at center. Well, that's, a, that's you know, but that one, while it's a great, it's a cool, great moment. And that was like a legitimate fight. That was also going too yeah. far. Yeah, my my definition of a stage fight is almost, do you remember, I want to say it was a preseason game involving the Leafs and the Sabres. Uh, the Sabres were just getting their teeth kicked in, and so they threw out John yeah. Scott to line up against yeah. Phil Kessel, of all people. That, that's a yeah. stage fight. Like, that, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I don't know, because, like, as, don't get me wrong, grew up on, you know, Red Wings Avalanche. I love a good fight, too. I don't feel any shame in admitting yeah. that. The more I learn about head injuries and what some former fighters have gone through, I feel a little less easy about it. But there, I've, I've never bought into the idea that having, you know, a few bruisers on your team, real, you know, is a deterrent. Because if that were the case, then you probably wouldn't have fighting at all. You would just know that it was 
possible and behave accordingly. And maybe in that you every to, team would have that. I player, should take by that. The way. Yeah. And, and maybe that's like a seventies, eighties thing where, you know, you weren't going to go after Gretzky because then Marty McSorley was going to cave your head in, or he was going to go after, you know, your team's yeah. tough guy, but that somewhere along the way that changed and you didn't have that. You had your Paul Bissonnette's would square off with your, you know, uh, Joel Ward or Devonte Smith Pelly or whoever your you know equivalent tough guy was. Cam Jansen, there. That's a great name. I do. Yeah. That's, that's who they. God, you really up. you really brought back a memory there because you're right. That is where the change. Like, when did that change happen? Where it became everybody's got a tough guy. And it's like the guy that's 5'10", plays the fourth line six minutes and has been in like one fight over like 10 years. You're like, wait, that's your, like, yeah, that's the guy that's going up against, like there was, there was that weird shift. Cause you're right. Cause it was like, cause the Rangers had like Colton Orr, like, and it was like, what? Like, yeah, these guys shouldn't be out there or, you know, like, or just the most random Colton Orr's yeah, or the most random ass, like, like you said, uh, Cam, like, yeah, Cam like, Jansen. that's not a fighter, <laughs> yeah. but he's the tough guy. Yeah. For yeah. Your and, team. And there's... <laughs> yeah. And, and so then you just had goons in the lineup. That's entire job was to do things like that. George Peros, yeah, another that's, great that's example. Uh, and, and, and at that point it becomes, well, what are we doing here? You know, like what is what is the point of this? This could this guy's taking up a roster spot where somebody could pop in another five or ten goals or prevent goals from actually happening or something like that. And so I just don't buy the argument that it's a you have to have these guys in the lineup because it's a deterrent. But I do watch Dylan Larkin get pushed around a lot. So what was the Stanley Cup year that the first four Four line team one. That's really probably when it happened. Kind of like how right now we're First going through because because if you think about it, everybody now it, it's not you know it, it's it's you have to have four solid lines. You have to rotate four lines. You have to have that fourth line that can that the, can grind, but also can keep the can keep the offense going. So you started losing the fighters, but you started gaining more of the grinders, like the Brian Boyles and that. Yeah, it it, it might have been the thirteen Blackhawks. I want to say that's the first team that really comes to mind for something like that. Just because, or maybe even the ten Blackhawks would be that a might fair be. thing to say because. They, because they, because Dustin Bufflin was on that team and he would wreck you, but he could also legitimately yeah. play too. So, so there was there was a balance there. I don't think Dan Carcillo could legitimately play. I don't think there's a lot of guys that are there to do one thing and one thing only. And and if they were, they sure as heck weren't getting a roster spot during the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. Unless something happened and you decided to throw somebody in the lineup for the next yeah and that i i think that's probably i'm sure i'm sure if we had uh if we were a really good show we would have done like our homework on that but we got there just through basic conversation 
Uh, but I'm sure if we did a deep dive, that's probably when you'd start seeing that change where a lot teams that were like, no, we need to be physical. All of a sudden we're like, hold up. I think we need to have a little more finesse in the bottom six. <laughs> like you don't want to lose your size, yeah, but you, but, but we need it. We need it. We need a guy that's six foot five can crush somebody in the boards, but then can take the puck and score. You need a Tom, like, I, I don't want to say Tom Wilson is a fourth line player because he's not, but that style of yeah. grinder goal scorer. Tom Wilson excels at it for now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's not act like we haven't all seen that photo of Ryan Reeves standing over Tom Wilson yeah. that he autograph is so, like like we said we still love moments like that but who won the cup that yeah. year wasn't that you know it wasn't Vegas and in and when people you know get thrown up with the you know pro fighting anti-fighting label I don't think anyone I don't think there's a ton of people out there I should say that legitimately dislike fighting but I think certain things have made people lose their stomach for it a little more like Aaron Ashton on Jay Beagle or Ray Emery on Braden Holtby or some of these fights to where it's just a very clear uh, Ovechkin Svechnikov is another good example just where it's a clear mismatch and on any reasonable planet this would not be happening yeah but it, and and to kind of like put a bow on the whole thing, if fighting was a legitimate deterrent, I don't think the Todd Bertuzzi incident ever happens. Yeah. Again, not to go hockey historian, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, you know, and and that was that that that's always going to be the prime example of where it went wrong, and you know we are just one fall away from another moment like that, and we've seen a few of them, which is why. Which is why I understand the crowd that wants it out, but I, I I don't know. I just I don't think there's a way to ever fully get rid of it. Yeah, and I just think that if anything, it becomes that like we'll be talking stats, and it'll be like, man, you know, there were only like three fights between October to December. Like, and then in December, when you get three that, fights, it's going to be like, whoa, we just doubled the amount of fights we had through the first three months of the season. We just matched. Sorry, why is the matched. NHL getting yeah. so violent? Yeah. It, yeah. They, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see what it is. Cause like the uh, one thing Jeff Merrick talks about is having a stack of hockey news magazines from like the sixties yeah. in his office. And every now and then he'll flip through some of them just to see kind of like what the conversation about the game was like back then. And a consistent article you can always find through every decade is how violence is ruining the sport of hockey. I mean, so as much as things change, they stay the same. It's pretty on par with the NHL. Am I right? Um, yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on from that. We Speaking of yeah, the NHL. let's let's get to the NHL and uh, actually let's get to your team because they've been pretty active. Uh, there's a trade we didn't talk about with them, uh, but there is a trade that also happened with the Detroit Red Wings today, uh, acquiring defenseman Jeff Petrie in a trade with the Canadians. Uh, second time the Canadians have now traded him in the span of a year. Uh, the teams announced the trade uh, Tuesday. Montreal got 
defenseman uh, Gustav Lidstrom and a 2025 conditional fourth round pick in the deal. Canadians retain 50% of Petri's remaining salary, uh, resulting in a 2.34 million cap hit for the Red Wings per cap friendly. And he was part, uh, as I mentioned, that three-team trade earlier this month that sent Carlson to Pittsburgh. So I had some quick takeaways on this because, and then I'll let you, the Red Wings fan, really take over on the thoughts. Um, In a vacuum, I went, huh? Like, wow, Detroit really fleeced you. But overall, looking at what Montreal has done and looking at this move in the vein of you've moved Mike Hoffman, Ren Pitlick, Petrie, you've got some pretty, you know, Lidstrom, eh, but you got Casey to Smith and you got a whole bunch of draft picks and some minor, and a minor leaguer as well. Like as an overall move, all right, thumbs up for Montreal. Um, now where I'm curious, and this is where I want you to come in. Why do you make this move if you're the Red Wings? I get that Petrie, top four defenseman, still puts up good numbers, even though he had kind of a down year in Pittsburgh. But you can look at the injuries, learning a new system, all of that, uh, and expect him to bounce back. But I, I feel like Detroit now has a logjam at defense. So why make this move? Yeah, the as I was putting together my notes for the Jeff Petrie trade, the first thing I wrote is why. <laughs> okay, so you were thinking uh, the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I don't I don't get it either. Uh, so there's you know he's a shoot first defenseman. He is he's fallen off a bit. He's definitely not a starting lineup kind of guy, uh, but he's easy top four uh, guy. You what the Red Wings gave up to get him. Uh, Lindstrom is definitely a depth defenseman. Uh, He's not quite a replacement level player, but he's not very far from it. Uh, And, you know, a fourth round pick, which is whatever. Uh, But the, the, the big question that surrounded a lot of this first, I have to share uh, this quote from Canadians uh, general manager, Kent Hughes, Uh, Quote, we're mindful that he, referring to Petrie, uh, we're mindful that he has a family. I promised him we'd work expeditiously to get him moved, that we wouldn't drag this out trying to maximize every last piece of value in a trade. Boy, that is a hell of a thing for a general manager to just come out and yeah, this is like oh yeah, this is actually why he this 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 okay I didn't know this this actually makes me look at that trade in a vacuum and go. Wow, that's the best offer you got for him. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's weird that like I don't know how often this has happened, but to have three different teams playing paying a guy's salary feels pretty. I feel, rare. Isn't it Phil Kessel? So, didn't Kessel have that happen? Wasn't isn't he, wasn't Toronto he, paying him, and then Pittsburgh was paying him, and then he was playing in Arizona, in Arizona. and they were paying, and then didn't Arizona eat some of his money too? I'm not sure, but but at this point, Petrie makes six point two five million, which is probably yeah. a little much. Uh, for this year and next year, the Pens are going to be paying one point five million of that. The Habs will pay two point three, and the Red Wings will pay two point three. Uh, so for two point three million, Petrie is a great option. 
what where you really start to scratch your head is where he's going to fit into Detroit's lineup as it is. Uh, in the sense that at the top of their lineup, uh, Moritz Sider, Jake Wallman, uh, I genuinely believe that's a top pairing line regardless of what team you put them on. I, I think that can compete at a top level with teams night in, night out. Once you get past that, ugh, you have uh, Ben Sherratt, Justin Hall, Oli Mata, Shane Gossespierre. Whose spot is Jeff Petrie adding that much value to take out? I mean, he might be an upgrade over like Gossespierre or Mata or something, but it's just really, it's really strange to look at the lineup for this because obviously he's not slotting into one of those top two positions. And I think there's just been so much focus on making the Red Wings harder to play against this offseason, getting Ben Sherratt last year. Uh, they signed Clem Costin, Christian Fister, ju- and putting Justin Hall there. So you so you probably don't want to get rid of Sherratt or Hall, uh, but you just signed Shane Gossespierre, and you just extended Ole Mata. So that's seven defensemen right there, not including uh, someone like Simon Edvinson, who's a prospect of theirs, who's just essentially has been shut out from earning a spot at camp at this point. So it it almost feels like a trade that was made when you forgot who you signed in the offseason. <laughs> like I, I'm sure I'm sure Petrie's an upgrade over some of those guys, but as far as realistically putting someone in the lineup over him, I it's hard to see it come together unless they're just anticipating injury which really is the only thing that i can genuinely i mean that's that's probably it but still at the at the same time everybody you name though like you know like who everybody you named somebody else would take in a heartbeat like they're they're starters like it's not like it's not like this was one of those they like you pointed out, they didn't need to make this trade. And that's why I'm very confused by it with Detroit. It, it really, you know, the trade that they did make that we still haven't talked about because uh, everything that was going on and we'll talk about for a hot minute, the Debrinka trade, like that made sense. This one, yeah. I'm kind of, I, I'm, I'm left wondering who's getting traded. But at the same time, it is a good point to to bring up that I, I think it's wise to think that defensemen are going to get injured or you're going to lose somebody for a stretch of time. So maybe in, you know, the Red Wings eyes, they're going to rotate like Sherrod or somebody like that, or, or, or you know, like, I, I don't know, or, or maybe this is just setting up for another trade at the deadline. Uh, or somebody is about to be moved out and it would be one of those weird, like, wow, did you sign somebody and trade them? Or did you go ahead and just kind of cut and run on somebody else? Like, I don't know. Yeah. And, and this isn't someone that's like on an expiring yeah. deal. He's like, two years. I, I guess he would be more attractive to teams that really want some more experience in the room at 2.3 million. But, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. What what I think a big part of it has to do is, you know where Jeff Petrie was born? Was it uh, Detroit? 
Ann Arbor, uh, Michigan. There you go. Coming home. The now now what makes this questionable? Because you know Michigan per sixty is a very important thing to the Red Wings. What makes Jeff Petrie just so questionable? The man that grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the home of the University of Michigan. You know where he went to college? Um, University of Michigan. Michigan ah. State. Which the judgment required to grow up in Ann Arbor and go to Michigan State. That, for context for some of our listeners, that would be like growing up on Long Island and... Rooting for the Rangers. <laughs> Why did that feel personal? I'm so proud of that uh-huh. analogy. You uh-huh. have no idea. Um, well, that's that's a nice little connection. Uh, is there a connection like that with the Brinket, or was that just, hey, we're... Uh, why, yes, the Brinket's from Farmington oh, Hill. It's a suburb look of look Detroit. As is his wife. Ah, very nice. So that is very much a homecoming for the, his wife. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk yeah, about the Debrinket trade and what that means for everything. Do you want to dive into sure. that? Sure. Uh, it traded. And holy crap, what a win. <laughs> yeah, I... I was genuinely surprised that the price of Red Wings paid for it because I just assumed Debrinket would command more. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like uh, he made his mind up about where he would sign an extension, and that may have kind of handcuffed the Senators a little bit, uh, but the Red Wings gave up Dominic Kubalik, Donovan Sabrengo, a first-round pick this year. Uh, they... The Red Wings have the Bruins pick and they are going to uh, surrender whichever one is higher, which I think that's a nice arrangement to make there. Let's be real. It's going to be the Bruins pick Uh, and a fourth rounder for next year. And so like the biggest thing that I've always harped on for the Red Wings is they don't have a game breaking forward they don't have someone that can just get the puck and say f this we're winning this game i'm scoring i'm making this happen sort of thing if you have a team where dylan larkin as much as i love him and dylan larkin's your best player that's a problem uh that's not going to be a genuinely competitive team and i feel like they went out and they got a game breaking forward in alex to uh i don't feel like you can just write them a ticket to the playoffs based on that. I think there's that that for genuinely cup competitive teams, they have a lot more surrounding that. Uh, but absolutely love the move for the Red Wings. No, yeah, doubt about it's it. it's it's a really good move for the Red Wings. Uh, uh, is it the move that you know moves the needle for Detroit getting back in the playoff picture? and really competing this year we'll see uh i i do like the makeup of this probably yeah probably not but i do like the makeup of this red wings team and you never know you know you get off to a hot start and like you said this is a guy that that maybe in some of those close games last year maybe this is the guy that is the the difference maker maybe this guy does at least help you get a point 
out of a game as opposed to, you know, being unable to tie it up late in the third. Maybe this is the guy that gets the, the you pulled the goalie goal and gets you to overtime. Maybe he gets you the game winner in overtime in some of those games. Maybe he wins you a shootout or two. Who, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, he is that type of game changing player. And you're right. The hall is that, that was returned for him. I think had a lot to do with, um, I know teams got a chance to talk to him, but I think it also has a lot to do yeah. with, with his attitude prior to that, where everybody trading for him, I think was coming from a place of power. Yeah. So, uh, and, and if anything, there's, there's a certain GM that's very good at, at coming from a place of power sometimes. And, and the wild thing about it is they only extended him for four yeah. years. So you, a lot of times in this, you see a guy signing a seven, eight year deal and you're just sort of like, I don't know. But no, he only got four, which is crazy to me it's like man this guy really wanted to be in detroit if he was only going to get four oh, yeah. years and said yeah i'll yeah. take it and and to his credit like i think that's the biggest thing red wings fans are excited about with him is just someone saying i wanted to come to detroit i only wanted to come to detroit then this is you know i love this place and this is where i want to be sort of thing and that's that means almost as much as his goal scoring prowess does which i feel like expectations need to be tempered with or tempered a little bit for that because everyone keeps saying oh he was a he's a 40 goal scorer it's like yeah when he played on patrick king's wing yeah you know you can't (laughs) expect that to be duplicated necessarily so uh you know for context of it dominic kubalik who they gave up in the trade scored 20 last year Debrinkit had 27. So they're not quite comparable, but they're not nearly as far apart as they're made out to be. So me personally, I'm not expecting Debrinkit to come in and put up 40. But if he puts up 30, that's a successful year to me. I mean, I think that's what you got to be looking for. Temper the expectations, but I I think that that's, that's a reasonable ask for the player that you got. And, and what you expect him to do. And in the way the Red Wings are put together, I feel like they almost kind of looked at Seattle yeah. and said, yeah, let's do yeah, that. Yeah, let's let's roll out uh, three second he, lines. Yeah, and, and realistically, if you can get 30 out of Larkin, 30 out of Debrinkit, 20 out of Cop, 20 out of Comfort, 15 out of Perron, 15 out of Robbie Fabry, like, that's a difficult team to defend yeah. against when they you can just continuously roll out genuine scoring yeah. threats. Yeah. But you know what I what I I think this might be a deeper conversation for another episode. Uh, but the the makeup of, of the Atlantic Division is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. This yeah, year because as, as with as with some of the other news. Boston Bruins might be taking a pretty big step back. Yeah, they might. Let's and and since you set that up, let's just jump to that uh, next. And that's uh, the Bruins lost another one of their uh, their guys who only played their entire career with them, and that's David Krejci announcing his retirement on Monday. 
37, uh, drafted second round in 2004 by the Bruins, ended up finishing with 786 points in 1032 regular season games, sitting ninth on the Bruins all-time scoring list. Uh, the right shot center's best output was 73 points, which he did twice in 2018 and 20, 2008 to 2009 and 2018 to 2019. Yeah, a remarkably good second line oh. center. I I think I think if if you ever had him as your top line center for an extended period of time you were in big trouble, uh, but uh, a remarkable, they spent his entire career with the Bruins uh, remarkable that uh, he can get drafted that late coming out of Chechia and become such a established force on the Bruins. Having that one, two punch down the center made everything easier for that team. And, and worth mentioning second time he retired. Yeah. Here because he did he did retire in 2021 and went back to play in Chechia uh, before giving it one more go with the Bruins, uh, which is kind of cool to see. But uh, yeah, here going forward, I I feel like like I want to give David Krejci his due, but realistically, the bigger story here is what the Bruins center depth becomes without him because it's Pavel Zaka and Charlie Coyle. Uh, so unless they make a move to bring in Mark Shifley or someone, uh, among those lines for it, like, like I'm halfway surprised they didn't try to sign somebody like Ryan O'Reilly yeah. this off season, just to come in and hold down the fort. Cause now obviously between this and Bergeron, that opens up a lot of room, but there's th- this team has a big, big question mark down the center. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really I know the Bruins were right, were waiting on what was going to happen with Bergeron, but I, I'm surprised that they didn't act under the impression that neither one of them, that at least one of them wasn't coming back. Like you couldn't have possibly assumed, and especially after Bergeron retired, you couldn't possibly have been sitting there going, well, that's okay. Cause Krejci's going to, you know, who's already retired once he'll come back yeah. and he'll be our first line center. Like, uh, I am shocked at that. Uh, the Bruins are still a good team, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. They're definitely, I don't think they're, you know, a hundred and whatever record setting points they had this past year. I also don't think that you're going to see a goalie situation like that again this year, at least there. Well, well they well, they signed Milan Lucic, so everything, all is well. That's right. That's right. That's that's what's going to make <laughs> things good. Um, I, I do. I yeah, do want to. So again, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Um, do you think number forty six goes to the TD Garden Raptors? I used to have much stronger opinions on numbers that deserve retirement. Uh, but realistically, I, I think the one criteria should be what did it mean to the fans? If David Krejci was a guy that the fans really looked up to, that they really valued having him here there for that amount of time, like by all means, go do it. Uh, I, I think it. I think the Bruins already kind of said, yeah, we're doing Bergeron's. We'll have to figure out a time 
uh, exactly to do it. Most likely a Tuesday night, because let's be real, that's how you sell tickets. Uh, but for for Krejci, I don't know. It, it it doesn't seem as automatic as it would with Bergeron, for obvious uh, reasons. Well, I'll give you this one fact. Five of the six retired Bruins ahead of Krejci on the all-time scoring list have their numbers hanging in the rafters. Five of Five six. of the six retired Bruins ahead of him on the all-time scoring list have, have the number retired. Is, is the one that isn't Bergeron? <laughs> it probably is. I don't know who the one is, but I guarantee you it's Bergeron, which would make it hysterical. Wow. Uh, because obviously... I was shocked that during his retirement, they didn't already have a day ready to go. Like the Rangers did with like Richter <laughs> and Leach yeah. where they were like, Oh, you're retired. Yeah. By the way, this is the day your Jersey goes to the rafters. Um, yeah. I think once Adam Graves got his Jersey retired, I kind of took your stance of it's really how they're remembered with the franchise. Um, Cause God, that was a moment of that. That was almost, if it wasn't for the Kings this past year, that would have topped my list of why. <laughs> like, oh, cool. He he played there. That's great. <laughs> he was part of a cup championship. Cool. He did some stuff in the yeah, community. Well, well, great. I, yeah, I, I feel year. like when... Great. <laughs> Did the Avalanche retire Ray, Raymond Bork's number? Oh no, they might have. I honestly, now that you say that, I feel like they did, which would I, it would actually top the list of what. The yeah, R- Ray Bork's number seventy-seven was retired by. Yeah, the that tops the list of. Which, actually, which we should do that on like a Patreon. Played yeah, we should do that on like a Patreon oh, of the oh. most ridiculous jersey retired numbers yeah. for a franchise. Because uh, that definitely tops that, the that list. Be Two seasons. He's a freaking. He's that a fucking Boston Bruin. I don't care yeah. that you rented him yeah. to get him his cup because he couldn't get it with Cam Neely. Mister yeah. Seabass. I, I'm. I'm right yeah. there with. Um, it, all right. EA Sports revealed uh, the cover athlete, and man. Um, Got to know how you feel about this, man. It's uh, Colorado Avalanche defenseman uh, Raymond Bork. No, it's uh, Kale McCarr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, McCarr has uh, been announced the EA Sports uh, cover athlete. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I I wish I could get worked up about this um, kind of thing, but I just, I can't. Like, yeah, all right, well, you know, I, I can I, get I, worked up a little bit about it. All right, um, go right ahead. I really felt that they dropped the ball on not giving it to Kachuk. Uh, you had so many moments from the playoffs that you could have picked from. Uh, his on the, his his on the knee celebration, like you had. I really thought that that we had all gotten on the uh, Kachuk bandwagon from the postseason. That that would have been the guy, not the guy who uh, lost out to Eric Carlson uh, in the Norris Trophy race this year yeah yeah but it, he's also i think kale mccarr is a bit younger than uh keith kachuk and i think that's the biggest thing that they want to do with these games is kind of connect with uh some with a uh, a younger audience and so 
like most popular young player outside of somebody like Mitch Marner, I don't think you could do much better than Kale McCarr. I mean, listen, I agree with you. I was just taking the, uh, I can get riled up about this thing. Cause (laughs) I, I really, although I did, when I did quote tweet it, I quote tweeted it with the, like the cool. Cause, cause it was very like, it was uneventful to me. It's, it's something I wasn't like, how dare they pick him? I'm, I'm, I get it, but I'm. I also could do the rah rah. Like, why didn't you pick? Oh, you wanted to go with a defenseman. Why didn't you go with Eric Carlson, who just had a fabulous year? And well, could you imagine putting him in that Penguins jersey on there? Oh, oh <laughs> we got another Penguin yeah. on the cover. I I feel like one of the things that they used to do, and I'm talking like early '90s sort of thing is they had multiple players on on the cover and it was usually just like a photo from an actual game taking place but like i know some of them like a goalie being scored on like man you don't want that moment immortalized <laughs> on a hockey cover so like th- some of that i kind of get but yeah i i think they should make an effort to go back to uh to having multiple people on the cover it, it's you can have more than one we'll be able to figure it out there it's can fine only be one uh that's that's what highlander uh taught me um <laughs> no uh but for reals you know he is 24 you're right that does appeal to a younger audience uh i know i'm i'm, I'm already excited for the game because uh i told you i do like the every other year thing I actually uh, forgot to do the every other year with NHL. So now I'm two years behind. So this is like a big upgrade to me where I'm like, oh man, I get the same game that I like playing does still it, just with two years of roster does it, upgrade. Does it, mean, does it mean you're going to get the next generation system? Uh, I might finally get the PS5 one day. I don't know. We'll see. Because, because Nick... As someone who cares very deeply about you, watching you take the uh, NHL franchise mode to the point where it doesn't let you keep going anymore, and then just decide, well, I'll just make the Norfolk Admirals an NHL team. Nick, you need help. You need a PS5. I mean, even if I had the PS5 and I had the game, I'd still be playing the franchise mode all the way to the point where it's like, hey, congratulations. You, 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 gotta, you, you, you probably or, should go touch some grass. <laughs> or 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 you play the Texas Chainsaw Massacre game or the Killer Clowns from Outer the Space killer clowns game, game or all these I other things super that would more. appeal you. Um, <laughs> I, I did find this interesting. Uh, so last two things I got on this. McCarr being named, he's the first Avalanche player on the cover since Joe Sackick. NHL 2004 and the first defenseman since uh, PK Subban NHL 19. Yeah. Which is wild because like for some reason in my mind, Nathan McKinnon was a cover athlete recently. Like I know that's not the case, but like somehow like it's almost Mandela affected me. Like I can picture a cover with Nathan McKinnon there. I don't know why it doesn't well, see. Exist. I can, I, I, I can picture one with Mulkin, but I don't really remember. Yeah, there's no, there Mulkin isn't a Mulkin either. one. Okay. So I Mandela affected a Mulkin one. Um, 
I don't think there's a Crosby. Uh, I do that think that there that. was a Crosby one early on, like in his career. No, no, no way. No, I, I've got the I've got the list in front. You're of telling me Sid the Kid has never been on the cover. I know Ovi's been on the cover. Okay, see, we, we gotta we gotta keep this in the back pocket because I I halfway was going to come up with a quiz. Oh my for god, I am so, so blown so away me... because I also have a few of the games. So now I'm trying to remember the covers. Um, well, obviously McDavid. Uh, McDavid was 18, yeah. yeah. And now I can't remember anybody else. I can't even remember. I can't remember. Was there a Nashville Predator? Yeah, PK. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right. So, okay, that's why I remember that then. (laughs) All right, well, uh, yeah, that'll be a fun game. we got to keep that in the back of our head for one of these slow August days. For sure, Because there is still a lot to get to. Um a lot of things, I guess, shaking in the uh, potential new arena department. So w- we'll get to yeah. Carolina in a second. Uh, let's start with the Coyotes. They confirmed in a statement uh, the other day that the team is attempting to purchase some land in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, that yes. could be the site for the new arena. Uh, team owner, uh, the team owner, Alex uh, Merlo executed the letter of intent to purchase the parcel of land, uh, claiming that, as he's been stating, the Coyotes remain committed to building the first privately funded sports facility in Arizona history and ensuring the Valley as the club's permanent home. It comes nearly three months after the uh, Tempe, Arizona vote that rejected the entertainment district proposal that included plans to construct the new home. Uh, Coyotes play the 23-24 season Back at Mullet Arena, home of the Arizona State University Sun Devils, uh, where they played last year. And, I mean, this is some good news for those people that don't, you know, if you're if you're not Canadian thinking that there's a team coming back, uh, this is good news. Um, if you want them relocating to your town, sorry, but... I, I truly believe that the Coyotes will find a way to stay in Arizona. I think the NHL is committed to that. I think it's been pretty clear, no matter how many times people say they need to cut and run. I I, I think hockey can succeed there, and we've seen glimpses of hockey succeeding there. They just haven't had anything that's been stable for a while. This is like the Islanders situation. It's been so unstable for so long that it's just give them some stability, give them a home. And once they have a home, they'll be set. Yeah. Like you gotta, I I feel like it's been impossible to assess what that market is like because of what, uh, what it's been like for that team, just not having a chance to get through, get, uh, get really invested in a team if you know they're about to pack yeah. up and move and that's been the case for the coyotes since we were in college so they just haven't had a fair shake of it and i as i learned about an hour ago uh mesa is a little bit east of tempe uh it's where the phoenix airport is hmm. located uh 
you know, so you're kind of building in a suburb here, but at a certain point you're, you're working with what you got arena wise. I do have a great thing to share with you about the city okay. of Nessa. Are you familiar with a little film called Bill and Ted's Excellent oh, Adventure? Oh, I, I, I'm very familiar with that. I think I might know where you're going with this, but yes, I'm very familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, they're, when, when they Street. go and visit Waterloo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the scenes were filmed at San Dimas Raging Waters and Golfland Sunsplash, both of which are located How in Mesa. How about that? How about that? So, yeah, get the team to Mesa. Give me a reason to come. Uh, I mean, granted, yeah. I already want to go to yeah, the let... arena, but you know. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Let's uh, let, let's hope the uh, Coyotes uh, have a better relationship with the council there and uh, be excellent. Yeah, I will say this: uh, while the NHL hasn't publicized a hard date for ownership, and they have made the public comments of being behind them and rooting them on and all of that. You got to realistically probably imagine that they need to have something figured out by 2026 when the lease expires with Mullet and they really don't have a home. Yeah, I, I would say they need to have something figured out by 2023. That's just I mean, me. Good point. Arena construction. Ain't it ain't, quick. but I feel like, but I feel like even if like they're coming down to the wire and in, 2026 is about to we're about to ring that bad boy in and and we're counting down 10 9 and the nhl gets a call and bill daly is like hey gary uh don't put them on the block in five seconds they're good to go i think gary would go oh great we could just keep them in mullet arena again for another year and then they get the they get their arena in mesa we win my experiment to say screw you to canada has succeeded they what gary always goes back to for it is when you ask him why the atlanta thrashers moved he'll say because no one in atlanta wanted to own so as long as he has someone that's willing to work with it in that in arizona he's gonna stick with and and not just work with it like really work with it like this is an owner that is you know i know how i listen if you if you heard the episode where we talked about have talked about this stuff uh john's one way about uh funding when it comes to these things i'm another way about it which is kind of funny considering how i am no you're not (laughs) no you're not um yeah you can't force me that's not how this works um not funny not so i pull for the team to get the arena and have no issue with that stuff so i i do hope the coyotes get to stay in arizona uh to to clarify yeah. to clarify because now i am being unfairly being slandered, slandered on my own podcast <laughs> yeah yeah i don't care about them building an arena i care about them using public money uh, I, I to don't. to build said arena <laughs> big don't. difference I'm, I'm like big difference hey you know what at least it's, if it's going to that it's not going to the jails It was going to be wasted anyway, so it might as well be wasted on something I know I'm going to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, you know, we should totally subsidize hobbies like we did in Columbus here where we publicly built a arena. Meanwhile, the schools don't have. Oh, did uh, did 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 Chappelle finally get his comedy club as well? (laughs) 
Dave Chappelle did a show at a really small place here in Columbus. Seats like See, 50 that's, people. That's, that's how he does. He looks, he takes care of the little people. He goes to yeah, the little his venues. Career is going yeah. Great. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So actually sticking on this, this subject matter, uh, I guess something broke be late in the day. Uh, I missed it involving the hurricanes. Yes, a lease extension from the Hurricanes that is has a potential development project attached to it that is going to, quote, be the greatest thing to happen to West Raleigh since NC State decided to build its university there. You know, it's good to see that they're, you know, being That's very funny. modest. That's this. hysterical. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so I haven't had a... I this just broke as I was doing show prep today, so I didn't have a ton of time to dive into it. Uh, the there is some sort of trust that's offering up three hundred million dollars as part of this. They the they feel like the bones of the arena is good, but they want to develop more quote consumer facing amenities, which usually means like food and clubs and things like that to add into it. Uh, for those that haven't been, PNC Arena is kind of unique as far as NHL arenas go, because it's basically just right in the center of a parking lot. And then around it is a bunch of grass and trees, and it's not super developed area. There, there is there is uh, a bar there... that's about uh, a half a mile walk away that you can park at prior to games as well. And it's much cheaper to park there. What? And it's a good time, too, because every time I went uh, for a Rangers-Hurricanes game, that bar, wouldn't you know it, is like 95% blue. What? <laughs> oh, it's nice. pretty... Now, now, it was pretty great. <laughs> now, do they have... Do they have a uh, dedicated tailgating area for the? Oh, that's event? the thing. It is because supposed to be like the the official. Come here and and nice. and like that's why they do like the ten dollar parking. At least the last time I went, it was ten bucks. I'm sure it's more now because also the last time I went, uh, Jeff Skinner was still a uh, hurricane. Oh, so it's, it's been, been a minute. It's it's been, it's been a minute, and it's uh been a minute uh since uh they they got good. I I went there and I saw them play the Bruins, and I'm fairly certain Milan Lucic was still yeah. a Bruin. That's how long yeah. it's been for me. But um, nothing changed. But yeah, they. they <laughs> yeah, well, well, they they've promised a lot with the development around it: a hundred square feet for retail and dining, a hundred fifty square feet for offices. You know that thing people still need and isn't grossly vacant throughout the rest hey. of the country since we figured out how to work from home. Nope. Yeah, we're, we're going back to, we're uh, going 200 back to the apartments. offices, man. Yeah, 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 we're going back to looking for new jobs is what I'm doing. Uh, 150-room hotel, uh, 3 to 5K capacity indoor music venue. Uh, and I always get a kick out of these affordable housing things that they throw yeah. in. Uh, for, so for these apartments, a uh, certain portion of them is going to be uh, set aside for people with 80% of the area medium in, income levels. So, you know, you'll be able to afford one if you make like 60 grand instead mm -hmm. of 80 grand. Okay. That's, you know, really looking out for people Thanks. there. Um, and they did talk a little bit about 
parking. Uh, they are dedicated as they get rid of the parking lot around the arena. They are dedicated to replacing 95% of it with other parking options and a five acre dedicated tailgate zone, which honestly, that that's pretty cool. I can't be mad about that. It's cool. But yeah, it, right right now, if you were to sign with the Hurricanes, that's something cool to look yeah. forward to. Uh, if you recently signed with the Coyotes, that would maybe be a low point of your career. Can't think of anyone that did that lately, no, can you? No, no, they'd be a dumbo to do that. Ah, <laughs> that one just wrote itself. Um, it's, yeah, that yeah. would be that 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 would be pretty cool, though. Um, I mean, that is an area that definitely could use a pretty cool upgrade, and it would be pretty cool to see them even accomplish like a quarter of that. Because uh, yeah, there is a yeah. lot. It really is such a weird, like just bloop right there. It's like somebody just dropped, a, like just dropped an arena right in the middle of a, an open area, and was like, "And you will play hockey here." Like. <laughs> Well, well, it's where NC State plays basketball. Yeah, too, yeah, because uh, didn't they do? do uh, didn't they when they did their outdoor game? Wasn't it at the football stadium right across the street? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Which is which is pretty cool. That was one of the coolest things. Uh, the first time I went, that was really cool to be walking up and be like, "Whoa, NC State!" I didn't realize that this is where everything you know, like where they played. I didn't realize it was literally I could chip. Yeah. You know, it's it's a chip shot away, as they say. Would would you say it was the greatest thing to happen to West Raleigh since NC State decided to build its university Probably. there? Probably. Probably. I, I wonder if that's how Gary Bettman described that. <laughs> that's why we did it there. Uh, all right. So lots of laughs so far this week. Uh, but unfortunately, there was a little bit of sad news to uh, tackle really fast as we start to wind down the episode. Uh, the Maple Leafs 2021st round pick, Rodion uh, Amarov, uh, died at the age of 21. His agent, Dan Milstein, made the announcement on Monday. Then Toronto uh, shared uh, an announcement as well. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor in two, in uh 2022 while playing in the KHL uh, sad situation. Uh, obviously I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big draft guy. So I'm not a big, like, you know, Oh, I know that rookie. I know that rookie. I, I know the, um, when we get to draft time and they're like, this is the rookie and these are the rookies, you know, I know like maybe those top five, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm not, so I can't really go into like, Oh man, let me tell you about this player and this and that. But, uh, what I, what I can say is it's a sad situation. It's a shitty situation for everybody involved, uh, fans, the Maple Leafs, but more importantly, his family at this, at this juncture. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I, I won't pretend like I was super familiar with him either. I know he was 15th overall in 2020, he was first round mm-hmm. pick. Uh, from, from what I read about him, uh, even immediately after he got the news that he had a brain tumor, he would have nothing of a negative attitude toward it. He was always very encouraged, very positive. It's nice to be able to see someone, if someone is going to pass away, it's really nice that they got to see 
or uh, got a chance to put something positive like that into the world. And like, it, it sucks that it happens, but you try to take the positives that you can out of a situation like that. It, it's, it's tragic for a tumor to take anyone, but especially someone that yeah. just really, what really encourages you to be grateful for what. You yes. Have. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. So before we do wrap it up, uh, I think we've got two stories left. Uh, rolled into one segment of NHLers behaving badly. Down, 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 down. Behaving badly. We'll work on it. God, I'm glad we don't have the effort to yeah, put in a yeah, soundboard. We'll uh, <laughs> oh, you think so? Somebody yeah, uh, might uh, have been talking to an engineer recently. <laughs> oh my god uh the is the do you want to start in russia since we were talking about a Russian uh, player? sure so i guess that means uh our timmy panarin yeah yeah, yeah. um our timmy panarin apparently i said this to you today i i kind of chuckled at it uh i gotta pull it up really quickly but uh apparently police confiscated a gun and fined panarin for shooting a uh it was an article what what is this yeah i know right he really brought the new york to russia uh the article was in one of the russian papers but translated just pretty much said exactly that 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 for whatever reason he decided to fire the gun uh and got fined forty thousand rubles aka 408 united states dollars yeah i i I did the conversion uh, of shortly before the show went on. I got, came up with 406. Whatever. Close enough. Uh, uh, okay. I see 406.9 yeah, cents. Yeah. Price is right. It's rules, baby. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, the, uh, I, I, my understanding was that he like discharged a firearm somewhere he wasn't yeah. supposed to. And it's, it, it just makes you a little bit curious what else was going on there. Uh, but you would hope that if uh, that, that the authorities big concern was the discharging of the firearm rather than what led to the discharging of the firearm. Uh, hopefully not that serious a situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it seems like it's a situation that's been handled, but it still is one of those. What the hell, man? <laughs> What's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one, I'm not really certain what's happening with this one, uh, but Alex Galchenko, yeah. oh God, I'm so tired. Uh, Galchenko, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, this is another thing that we didn't quite get a chance to talk about, but Alex Galchenko, uh, who I feel like th- this needs to be pointed out for the purpose of the story uh not a russian player uh alex galchenyuk is from milwaukee Milwaukee. so yeah worth considering that as you uh the more you dig into the story did you know Uh, milwaukee has had three socialist mayors yeah i believe it is comes from the i love you right now uh, From from the uh, term for the Native Americans of the land that referred to good land. Uh, <laughs> why why do uh, I know take that? a shot of why you know what movie we're that? talking about? <laughs> yeah, uh, but 
so Galchenyuk had signed with the Coyotes this offseason, and a few days later uh, was in a white BMW that hit a curb and a street sign. Uh, nobody injured, uh, just property damage. Uh, but uh, gets out of the car, uh, talks with the passenger a little bit, and then gets into the passenger seat. Uh, so, you know, clearly we know what they're trying to avoid, but a officer stops them. Uh, for drunk driving, at which point uh, Gauchenyuk threatened to quote-unquote chop the officers and reached under the car seat at one point. Uh, and it's at the point that he was detained, struggled with officers uh, for a bit as he was being handcuffed, and in the back of a patrol car, he threatened to call connections in Moscow and have the officer's wife and daughter's kidneys cut out. Uh, he also used multiple racial slurs towards a black officer. Uh, I will give you a wild guess as to what kind of slurs he used there. Uh, but the Coyotes terminated his contract on July 13th. Uh, shortly thereafter, on July the 18th, uh, Galchenyuk entered the player assistance program where he is hopefully getting some of the help that he needs. Uh, there has been rumors flying around that he is signing with a KHL team to kind of keep his career going uh, this season. Uh, their training camps are coming up here soon, so if he's going to be part of that, he'll need to get there quickly. Uh, I cannot. I saw multiple sources about the khl thing but none of them really like super legitimate sites if they're like websites someone like me could run if gotcha. they really wanted to yeah. if that makes sense uh and and even then they didn't seem to agree which team it was so i don't totally know that he's actually going to the khl but i felt like that was worth at least mentioning and uh if dude's getting some genuine help it's kind of cool that the nhl player assistance program is open to you even if you aren't technically under contract with an nhl team at the that's time good. so that's that's, that's good to know mm, but the crazy situation yeah i didn't know anything about that i didn't see any of that so that's that's wild um but good to know that yeah. uh the help is there even if you know you're not in the league yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I think that, I, I, yeah, on that, on that note, I think that's all the news we got this week, right? Yeah, I think we got right, through it cool. all. Well then, uh, I guess hit them with the plugs, John. Uh, you will find me on Twitter. Uh, I will not find you. I actually deleted it from my phone. I'm not constantly checking web browsers at all it's going great thanks for asking uh but i'm at jt evans the numbers all right zero. and i am a wonderful underscore radio and i'm also on threads nick wonderful so you can find me on threads as well uh and make sure you got yeah, off make sure you just subscribe as well to this show everywhere we're on all the streaming platforms and uh yeah if you subscribe then you get notified so Boom, that easy. Yeah. All right. Uh, until next week, everybody. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening.
In the merry month of May, from me home I started, left the girls, the tomb was nearly broken. Hearted saluted father dear, and kissed me darling mother. Drink a pint of beer, and tears of grief to smother. Enough to reap the corn, leave where I was born. Cup to stop the thorn, a banished ghosts and goblins. Brand new pair of brogues, rattling all the bugs, frightening all the dogs. On the rocky road to Dublin, one, two, three, four, five. On the hair, a turner down the rocky road. All the way to Dublin, whack for all the dogs.